Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I'm so excited to welcome back to Woke AF after many, many weeks of our schedules not matching up and being in court, Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC legal analyst and the host of Justice Matters here to give us a supersized breakdown into the Oath Keepers trial that just concluded last week with a seditious conspiracy conviction for Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, as well as another one of his band of idiots. Glenn will give us an entire overview into the implications for the verdicts in this trial and the fact that in the upcoming weeks, we have the second part of the Oath Keepers trial that will be taking place, as well as the trial of the Proud Boys. What does this mean? For Jack Smith, the special counsel that was appointed by Merrick Garland to oversee the investigation into Donald Trump and whether or not he can be tied to the insurrection. So we get into that and so much more on this supersized, jam-packed interview with our friend. Welcome him back to Woke AF, Glenn Kirshner. Folks, it has been a long time, and I am so happy and grateful to welcome our friend Glenn Kirshner back to Woke AF Daily. Glenn, you have been on duty uh, in the courthouse uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks um, following the um, trial of the Oath Keepers, right? The, the I believe it is five people that were on uh, that were on trial, including uh, the founder uh, of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes. This week, um, the verdict finally came out, and it was a mixed verdict in a lot of ways that I'm sure you'll be able to walk us through. 
But what has made the headlines and made you a staple uh, for the for this for for this week on every show on MSNBC has been the verdict that came down for two of the Oath Keeper members um, for seditious conspiracy. So I'm just going to turn it over to you to tell you know to tell us what this mixed bag is and how important it was for the Department of Justice to have this win uh, of this very, um, uh, it is it is a not a commonly used charge uh, that they have now won in this, in this verdict. Yeah, really interesting. And there's tons to unpack. And I'm so happy to be back with you. We were doing this every week forever. And then all of a sudden, our schedules <laughs> went sideways. So I'm glad to be back. Um, so this really was historic. I think you can you can accurately use that word to describe a seditious conspiracy conviction. The first one um, for what these people did at the Capitol on January 6th, the first one the federal prosecutors have won since the mid-90s. It is a rarely brought charge, which is a good thing because that means generally people aren't trying to violently overthrow the government. But, you know, it, it's important for so many reasons. First of all, as you say, it was a mixed verdict. But having sat through all seven weeks of the trial and full disclosure, I think I can be objective. But the lead prosecutors were my former homicide prosecutors, Jeff Nessler and Kate Ricosi. I actually tried Kate's first murder case with her when she was a young homicide prosecutor. I probably learned more from her than she learned from me. This was an expertly tried case. And Danielle, you and I beat up on the Department of Justice regularly yep. when we believe they need a good whooping to kind of prod yep. them into action. Um, but I think we need to give props where they are due. And this prosecution team and this FBI team presented a masterful case to the jury. It was a mixed verdict, but having watched the evidence, I understand why. Let me just give you one example. Most importantly, mm -hmm. they convicted the two leaders Elmer Stewart Rhodes, the head of the Oath Keepers, and one of his top lieutenants, Kelly Meggs, convicted them of seditious conspiracy, the attempted violent overthrow of the government, or an attempt to use violence to stop the execution of the laws of the United States, which is precisely what they did. They tried to stop the certification of Joe Biden's win. The others were followers. Now, they did mm -hmm. some egregious stuff, and they were all convicted of multiple felony crimes. But the jury made some common sense decisions about how far they wanted to reach with conspirator liability. This is the most compelling example. Stuart, Elmer Stewart Rhodes was convicted of all counts except one, interfering with the duties of a police officer, to, to use layman's terms, because he never went in. Here's why that's so interesting for uh, legal nerds okay. like me. Um, he, as a member of the conspiracy, indeed, as the head of the conspiracy, conspiracy law mm -hmm. says every member of the conspiracy can be convicted for every single crime committed by every other member of the conspiracy, even if that person didn't participate in it. Now, the law allows that, but the law doesn't require that. So these jurors were crazy attentive and thoughtful in the way they parsed out the evidence and did what made feel right in holding everybody responsible, but here and there saying, no, we're not gonna convict mindlessly on all charges. We're gonna thoughtfully mm -hmm. assess the evidence. Now, 
the reason that's so important, as appellate lawyers will tell you, is that shows that this jury was not just unduly swayed or prejudiced by the nature of these egregious crimes. They still thoughtfully worked through it. That actually strength, strengthens the case on appeal. And I predict Judge Mehta presided over the trial extraordinarily well. All of these convictions will be appealed and all of them will be affirmed on appeal. Now, what are some of the other takeaways? Yeah. Uh, th this one I love. Next week, we have part two of the Oath Keepers Seditious Conspiracy Trial. Remember that military stack going into the Capitol yes. that day with these little faux soldiers with their hands on each other's shoulders marching into the Capitol in their play military uniforms? When they got in there, seven of them split off one way to go to the House chambers. The other seven split off to go to the Senate chambers. They wanted to stop what was going on in both chambers. We only went, we, federal prosecutors only took on half of that stack. Next week, the second half of the stack goes on trial for seditious conspiracy. December 13th, the Proud Boys go on trial for seditious conspiracy. So what do these guilty verdicts of seditious conspiracy do? Danielle, every one of those defendants is meeting with his lawyer or her lawyer right now and saying, we got to we got to renegotiate a possible guilty plea, hopefully with cooperation, because the government just proved beyond a reasonable doubt we all were engaged in a seditious conspiracy. We're screwed. What does that do? Mm -hmm. It will undoubtedly prompt more guilty pleas, probably with cooperation. And here's the here's the the best part of all of that. We know who some of the suits of the insurrection are that were intimately right. involved with Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. So the, the likelihood that we will now see indictments of Roger Stone, Alex Jones, and Mike Flynn have shot up as a result of this conviction. One last takeaway. I, just, I wrote a piece for MSNBC Daily, and I mm -hmm. put the main takeaways in that piece. It went up a day or two ago. One last one, even though there are so many, is the prosecutors were really smart about not injecting politics into this trial. Well, how can you not inject politics into a, an attempt to overthrow the government? They, they almost never even uttered the name Donald Trump prosecutors because they didn't want to make this about politics. They wanted to make it about violence and an attempt yep. to undermine our democracy, regardless of political affiliation. But the defendants, including Elmer Rhodes, dragged politics into the courtroom at every opportunity. Danielle, I wish I wish we could have broadcast Elmer's testimony. It was so deceitful. It was so mm -hmm. off-putting. It was so abrasive because he said to the jury, the 2020 presidential election was unlawful and unconstitutional. And then he said to them, the disbarred Yale lawyer that he is, mm -hmm. he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a constitutional expert. Now, who anointed him the arbiter of the constitutionality of presidential elections? I don't know. But he thought because he determined it was unconstitutional, he and the Oath Keepers could do anything they damn well please to put right. a stop to Joe Biden's certification. They dragged politics into the courtroom. And the jury, by its verdicts, said to them, you were not acting as patriots. Because all five of these defendants tried to say they were patriots. You weren't patriots. You're traitors. We reject the big lie. We reject your rigged 
election narrative, and all of you mofos are guilty. That is a nice atmospheric benefit of this jury's you know, decision to convict them for what they did on January 6th. You know, one of the things that I, that I have been wanting to ask you is in the trial, they brought in the voicemail. It either was a voicemail or it was a text message of Rhodes saying that they should have brought more weapons in, right? That if they had known how things were going to go out, they should have brought more weapons in. They would have strung up Nancy Pelosi. Um, and I mean, it was really violent and really incredibly off-putting. And I want to know how you saw the jury react to that, to that statement. That's number one. And then two, you know, the other thing about the election being stolen and the election being rigged, was there anything in his testimony where he said, we were acting on behalf of the president of the United States, waiting for him to essentially either call for martial law or, um, or I forget what it was like to, there, there was another insurrection act, act. the insurrection or waiting for the president to, you know, en- enact the insurrection act. Was any of that said in his testimony and statement? Yeah. So to answer your first question, I think you saw that the, the jurors were pretty sort of reserved and circumspect and thoughtful. I think they really seemed to appreciate the weight and the gravity of what they were being asked to do. But particularly when the defendants testified, three of the five defendants testified, which is really unusual in a big federal trial. They usually rely on the the government's very high burden of proof and the presumption of innocence. And once they start opening their mouths, they get cross-examined and they often fall apart, as did all three of these defendants. But you could see when some of the more um, expressly violent evidence, the posts, the texts, the recorded statements came into evidence, you you could kind of see them gently recoil, um, even though they were trying not to. Uh, and, And the one you mentioned, I mean, think about this. Defendant Elmer Stewart Rhodes said, the only thing I regret is not that there was all this violence at the Capitol, not that the certification was actually stopped. It was delayed. So they succeeded at least until they could reassemble and continue um, certifying Joe Biden's win. Not that people were killed. He said, the only thing I regret is we didn't bring our weapons in because we could have, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't remember his exact words, we could have killed a bunch of politicians and I would have strung up Nancy Pelosi from the lamppost. Human beings, if you have mm. any moral core, you can't help but recoil from mm-hmm. that. And, and, and they did. Um, and then your, your second question with respect to was there anything that expressly tied Donald Trump into yeah. what happened on January 6th? You asked, were they acting at the direction of or mm-hmm. were they waiting for orders from? The answer to your first question is um, they really weren't acting at the direction of. I would love to say they were because that would more firmly sort of entrench Donald Trump into this seditious conspiracy. But they, you know, El- Elmer kept saying in recorded video statements, you know, Mr. President, invoke the Insurrection Act so we can come in with our guns ablazing 
I'm taking liberties with his exact yep, yep, words. Yep. But if you don't, the Oath Keepers will take matters into their own hands. And what we Danielle, is Donald Trump didn't. So I think that the fair assessment of the evidence is Donald Trump didn't tell them to do it. They weren't acting at the request of Donald Trump. Indeed, he didn't even do something they wanted him to do because he invoked the Insurrection Act because that would have unleashed them and their weapons. So, it, but it really is, I, I, I don't want it to sound deflating mm-hmm. because the evidence is what it is, but, but because the prosecutors were so careful not to bring Donald Trump into the courtroom figuratively, the specter of Trump, because you don't know what the political ideo- ideologies or preferences are of the 12 people in the jury box, that doesn't mean they don't have a whole bunch more evidence but the evidence that was presented in this trial does not lead to the conclusion that they were acting at the direction of um, Donald Trump. Indeed, it suggests they wanted Donald Trump desperately to do something that he wouldn't do, invoke the Insurrection Act. But there's so much other evidence that warrants an indictment of Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection and attempting to overthrow the government that, you know, this, this trial may not have forwarded the, that ball, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, there, there's something, there are, there are a couple of things that have, that have come up over the last couple of weeks. One, the reminder that there were members of Congress who were using the Oath Keepers as their own, quote unquote, private detail, right? So was that brought up in the trial or how do you think that that information can and should be used moving forward as we look ahead, as you said at the top, to the 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 this the second stacks trial as well as the Proud Boys. Um, because when I think about Alex Jones, Mike Flynn, and Roger Stone, I think about the way in which they were utilizing these two groups as their private militia and army, right? And so how does that evidence, how does that knowing help these cases um, as they as they move forward? So I'll, I'll stop there because I have a, I have a follow up. OK, so there really was no mention of members of Congress in this trial. Why? Because that information was unnecessary to convict the Oath Keepers of the crimes with which they were charged. So again, the prosecutors were smart not to stray into political territory that was unnecessary for purposes of winning guilty verdicts. Now, yeah, there's a lot to unpack on the members of Congress front, because I do believe some of them were complicit in the insurrection. Mm -hmm. The Oath Keepers kept saying, "Uh, we were there just providing protection, security details. But that was such bull because one... When they got there, they didn't protect anybody, no security details, and more importantly, the thousands of text messages and signal chats and Facebook posts where they were communicating, nothing about security details. It was all, we got to get our guns, we got to go put a stop to this, we got to... And then following on that, Elmer Rhodes said in one of his posts, all right, everybody, We have to keep saying Insurrection Act, Insurrection Act, Insurrection Act, because 
that will give us legal cover for what we're doing. So all of this, we're there to provide security details to members of Congress or others was cover. It was BS, right? Because they knew what they were really there mm-hmm. to do. So I don't know, there, there was no evidence that they were providing any sort of services for members of Congress that day. But here's the thing. We know that members of Congress were complicit in any number of ways in either the insurrection itself or in providing aid and comfort to those who participated in the insurrection. And what needs to happen now, and I hope Special Counsel Jack Smith is just the person to do it. We can talk more about that. What needs to happen now is, one, they need to see if there's enough evidence to criminally indict all of these members of Congress who 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 are part of the insurrection. And two, they need to be, there needs to be a challenge to them continuing to sit as members of Congress. And here's the good news. We know that uh, uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, flat out says, if you were a uh, part of the insurrection and you had previously taken an oath of loyalty to the United States, like you were a member of Congress, you are disqualified from serving in public office. But the 14th Amendment doesn't have any mechanism to implement that. It just says, mm. as a matter of fact, you are disqualified. Well, there is there's something brewing where when the new Congress is about to be sworn in, mm-hmm. other members of Congress can object to the insurrectionists who are about to take the oath. Stay tuned on that front, because that will take some brave members of Congress. And I believe there's some stuff brewing. Um, and announcements will be made whenever announcements are made, if it sort of ripens to that point. But first and foremost, and that's a political calculation, right? But first and foremost, if the evidence supports it, and I believe the evidence probably does support criminally indicting some of these members of Congress, little Josh Hawley, go insurrectionists, go, I got your back, I'm with you. And then you see him running away Mm -hmm. when the insurrectionists make their way into the Capitol. What a punk. Mm These people, oh man, I, I just want to go back to my Jersey roots. <sighs> um, th- these people need to be held accountable. And if whatever your follow-up is, let's do that. And then let's talk about how I think Jack Smith may, may take us there. But, I mean, you, you kind of answered part of it because it was going to be about, you know, these members of Congress. The, and I can't remember, you will remember, the member that was in the bulletproof vest that happened to be under his uh Mo, Mo, Brooks. Mo Brooks Mo Brooks Mo Brooks who was at the stop the steel rally with a bulletproof vest underneath his on underneath his clothing why would you need that right no one else was in was in uh bulletproof uh regalia right so you must have had some uh previous knowledge as to what could possibly be unfolding the other piece, Glenn, is that now that these people, these other folks who have yet to who have yet to sit for their trials, see that this charge was now uh, see that this charge was upheld. Now, do they is now the pressure to say, OK, maybe we don't go after you for a seditious conspiracy, but you got to give up who gave you the maps, who gave you. Right. The prior tour the day before. Right. To give you the lay of the land, because I tell you, as somebody who worked on Capitol Hill, 
The way that those people found those unmarked offices, I worked on Capitol Hill for years and couldn't find those, would still have to ask, you know, Capitol Police, oh, you know, am I going to, to this tunnel or this place or that? And they knew to go direct. So where did they get that information from? Is that the root of the root that we're going to see the feds going after? Absolutely. And when I said these guilty verdicts will inspire Oath Keepers to want to plead guilty and cooperate to reduce their exposure, you know, I said that will sort of directly, I believe, implicate guys like Flynn Stone and Alex Jones. But I also think you're exactly right. These people have information about members of Congress. Yeah. And what what they did to enable and assist. And, you know, so I think these guilty verdicts up the ante on the members of Congress as well. And, you know, when you talk about the Capitol Police, let me give a shout out to now my friend, Harry Dunn. You know, I worked Mm. with Mike Fanone decades ago. We were working murder cases together when he was uh, in 1D in the D.C. and I was the chief of homicide. So I have known Mike for a very long time. I've only come to know Harry recently, yeah. and I was in the courtroom for his testimony. And Danielle, first of all, yes, he is a human wall. Harry is enormous, right? <laughs> um, and, and Harry testified, and there was video that captured this. Harry is standing there. Yep. I get emotion. I get emotional. He's but one man. He's blocking the stairwell yep. that leads to the speaker's office, and there are rioters and oath keepers. Who, and he said. Y'all aren't getting by me. And he was one man who held that line. And for it, for it, they called him every name in the book that, you know, and goodness gracious, there are heroic public servants that walk among us, like Harry Dunn. And, you know, as much as we beat up on police and we beat up on the Department yeah. of Justice, goodness, when heroes do what Harry Dunn did and Mike Fanone and Aquilino Gonell. And the rest of those officers that day, my goodness, we need to thank them and we need to honor them. And we need to remember that we have heroic public servants like Harry Dunn. Yeah. Thank you for that, Glenn, because it is it is a very, you know, needed reminder uh, about who allowed for, you know, true devastation not to come down on our capital, on our democracy that day, because they put their lives and their bodies on the line. And for that, I think all of us should be grateful. With the few minutes that we have left, I do want to talk about Jack Smith now and what you believe the Department of Justice is doing, right? Because I got to tell you, you know, Uh, I think I might've texted you that day when the announcement was made and I was just like, what the F is going on? You know, because this feels like another, another avenue and a flashback deja vu to the Mueller report, which was all about nothing, you know, at the end of the day. So what do you think? Um, cause we hadn't had the opportunity to, to, to talk. What do you think about the, the the special counsel? What do you think about Jack Smith? And how do you think that they're going to use, hopefully, God willing, use these verdicts as a way to get to the architect, the head, the snakehead that is Donald Trump? Yeah, so I'm with you, Danielle, that we are suffering from hero fatigue. Uh, we thought Bob Mueller was going to bring it home. Now, I think when you read volume two of the Trump uh, the Trump Russia report, 
where he meticulously details as many as 10 felony obstruction of justice crimes by a man that he was not permitted to indict because of that stupid ass uh, yep. DOJ policy saying you can't indict a sitting criminal president. That is some banana republic stuff yep. right there. Yep. And I hope somebody revisits that. Mueller could only do what he could do. And of course, he was blocked significantly by Bill Barr and his lies about the Mueller report. Then we had Merrick Garland coming in. Now, Merrick Garland was a prosecutor in my office 30, 40 or more years ago. Then he was highly regarded, handled uh, cases like the, the Mayor Marion Barry case, which was obviously politically charged, which was a difficult case on the evidence. He handled it well. He went on to handle, obviously, Oklahoma City bombing and other high profile cases that he supervised. He didn't try them. And then for a quarter of a century, he was a judge. Very good judge by all accounts. You can agree or disagree with, you know, some of the ideological um, underpinnings of some of what he decided. But I think we learned over the last 18 months that Merrick Garland lost his prosecutorial chops and was running the Department of Justice in the AG's office more like a judge's chambers yep. than a really aggressive prosecutor's office at this most dangerous moment in our nation's history. So I feel like we're being fooled up maybe a third time mm -hmm. with Jack Smith. Mm -hmm. And Danielle, like you, it's funny, in advance of the announcement, I actually talked on air or somewhere, or maybe it was just in you know, <laughs> my head. I actually did say, I don't think appointing a special counsel now is necessary right. or is a good thing because look look at how when they appointed Bob Mueller, he had to start from scratch. He had to hire investigators, yep. hire prosecutors, hire a support staff, stand up in office, begin investigating. That takes a long time. But then when I, but I did say back then, the only way I could see it working is if they put him in place to oversee all of the investigations that have been up and running for a year and a half now and say, now accelerate them. So the first thing I did when I saw, I was in the courthouse covering the Oath Keepers trial. I saw the announcement. Actually, a reporter got a, 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 an advance notice of it and she pulled me over. She's like, Glenn, look at this. So the first thing I did is I reached out to my friends who had worked directly for Jackson mm -hmm. when he was the head of the public integrity section. And what I learned from people that I respect immensely is that Jack Smith is a real without fear or favor kind of guy. He abhors political corruption. He abhors obstruction of justice and witness tampering. And he is fearless and he's willing to take politically charged cases that are not sure things. And he walked that walk. He prosecuted Virginia governor, Republican governor, Bob McDonald. Mm -hmm. Won convictions, and then years later on appeal, the Supreme Court didn't like the fact that the Department of Justice could so aggressively go after high politicians, and they reversed the convictions. That's not a failing of Jack Smith and his team. That's a failing of our Supreme Court surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. protecting high gov high government officials. So, and then he went after he went after a Democrat, uh, Senator Bob um, Edwards, mm -hmm. John Edwards. Excuse me, John Edwards, who was running for president. Right. He went after him for campaign finance violations. It was a hard case to make, and what happened? The jury hung. They actually acquitted on one count and hung on the other five. Hard case. 
He didn't win it, but he wasn't afraid to bring it. What did he do? He brought a case against a Republican member of Congress, a representative, a, 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 a Azir, Aziz, I forget his last name precisely, charged that Republican member of Congress with bribery, extortion, and racketeering, convicted him. What did he do next? He brought a criminal prosecution against Bob Menendez, mm -hmm. a Democrat yep. senator from New Jersey. Not a strong case, but he said, I don't care. I have enough evidence to get the question to the jury. Public corruption is the devil. I'm bringing it. The jury hung and they opted not to re retry the case after the hung jury. Danielle, what has he done? Oh, he brought a case against the CIA officer for mishandling classified information. And he won convictions in that case. What has he done? He's gone after Republicans. He's gone after Democrats. He's gone after people who abuse the public trust. He hasn't won every cases. I swear, give me a prosecutor on my team who has lost some cases because they brought the tough cases against high government officials. That's my kind of teammate. Mm -hmm. Based on every, and then he's putting pen to paper and filing stuff on Thanksgiving Day in the 11th Circuit saying Donald Trump's lawyers are wrong, Judge. Don't be fooled. And he had the goods to back it up. I mean, I, and, and he went to The Hague to prosecute war criminals. He, is, he has gone after some of the worst of the worst in this world. And now he is going after one of the worst of the worst in America, a former criminal president. Let's get it on. Okay. Let's get it on. Okay. You know, I, I, I always appreciate your insight, Glenn, because of your obvious 30 years of prosecutorial experience um, and the fact that you still have friends and talk to um, folks inside of the department. And, and I will say that um, I'm, a, I'm in a wait and see, right? I'm going to, you know, because I have had and you have had our hopes dashed way too many times. Uh, since the beginning of the Trump presidency, after the Trump presidency, um, during the insurrection, after the insurrection until now. So I will wait and see, because I believe that we are in for come January, an entire fucking circus with the Republicans taking control of the house. But you just gave me a sliver of hope that if there are in fact objections to those that are going to be sworn in. And in, in fact, like there should be Republicans that are quaking in their boots right now about what these other Oath Keepers and Proud Boys can say about their involvement in providing recon work um, to the insurrection, then that gives me something, and I hope it gives our listeners something to hang on to, um, that we will see. You know, I, I, because I tell you that the J January 6th anniversary it's going to be what the second year anniversary and none of the architects of the insurrection have been indicted, have been tried, have been put in prison. And so it is hard to hold on to hope that we will see it. But what you have given us today, as always provides, you know, some, uh, ray of light in the clouds that we've been existing in for, for the last couple of years. So, you know, for Glenn, you know, as always, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm so happy, uh, to have had this supersized unpacking of where we've been over the last several weeks and hopefully a window into where we're going 
in January. And we're back on track. I'll see you next <laughs> All week. All right, Glenn. Appreciate you so much. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF as always. Power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke, and stay woke as fuck. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.